God is good. All the time. Yes, it's my pleasure to be here today. Um, I told my family and my core that I'm going to suffer for the Lord in Hawaii. And they, they are feeling sorry for me because I'm hanging around very good people, uh, eating very good Hawaiian food, uh, and uh, just enjoying the company of you all. So thank you for having me. Uh, today the scripture is going to come from Matthew chapter 18. I'm going to read from verse 21, Matthew chapter 18. Uh, if you have it, it's on the screen, and also you have it possibly in your Bibles and uh, iPads and iPhones. It's a story about the um, unmerciful servant. It reads, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me, and I'll pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said, I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, the master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until you, you should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless, if you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. It was a Sunday afternoon. I was driving home after a busy day. In most cases, on Sundays, I'm up at 5 a.m. studying and praying, and then had to go pick up kids for church, taught Sunday school, preached in the ser service, and then had the core council meeting. It's one of those meetings, the church board meetings, that I don't often look forward to. Some pastors cry, some just hate the opportunity to be grilled by their board members, but uh, it, it had been an okay meeting, and I go back in the car around 3 p.m., I'm driving home, I'm tired, I'm looking forward to getting home, and for most pastors, we call this the Sunday afternoon nap. I was ready to get home, 
and just kick back and take a nap. But as I was climbing this hill closer to our house, the phone rang. Miles was on the other side of the phone. Miles says, Captain, we need you right now. Shirley needs you. I turned the vehicle around and drove to Shirley and Miles' place. Shirley and Miles had moved from Alaska down to Seattle. Uh, Shirley was diagnosed with stage 4 cancer and was receiving treatment. They had driven down in their RV and they had parked it at a friend's house. As I got there, I parked my vehicle and got to the RV. I walked up the stairs and in front of me on the couch lay this skeletal body. And in a frail voice, Shirley says to me, Captain, I'm ready to go home. I knelt beside her and she says, the problem is I cannot forgive. I'm mad at my family from the 1980s. They hurt me and I've not forgiven them. What shall I do? We read scriptures that talked about forgiveness. We went through uh, the scripture that I read and other verses and we prayed. In this dimly lit room in Soweto, South Africa, it is the southwest township in Johannesburg, was a lady seated in the um, witness box. She was describing her life. And across from her sat these muscular, young, white policemen. This was a Truth and Reconciliation Commission meeting. You see, in Southern Africa, we were under apartheid for many years, for decades, in fact. It was a separation of blacks from whites, and it was actually an offense if, a, if people of different colors lived under one roof. But growing up, uh, we knew of Nelson Mandela as a strong uh, lawyer, a, a fierce-looking guy. But in 1980, when he was released from prison, he was an old, frail, old man. But when Mandela came out, he says, we are not going to take up arms and fight. We are going to forgive each other. In 1994, a historic thing happened. Nelson Mandela became the first black president of South Africa. And he set up these Truth and Reconciliation Commissions where the victims and the perpetrators, they came together to discuss what had happened during apartheid. The old lady proudly describes her son who was very intelligent and a bright future. But then she points at Mr. Van de Broek, one of the policemen, and said, and he came to our house one day in the mid-1980s when there was an uprising in secondary schools. And she said, he came, he took my son, dragged him away, and shot him at point-blank range while he and his friends celebrated. Two years later, Mr. Van de Broek had come and knocked at our door and had taken and dragged my husband away. A few days later, They'd come to the house and called her, and she had been taken to where they lay her husband. Her husband had been bound up and was put on a pile of wood. They'd poured petrol, gasoline, on him. 
and they lit him on fire. But a voice could be heard as the fire consumed him. He said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. In the court, they asked the lady, what would you want this court to do? And she said three things. Tonight is a different night. Daddy is mad. He has been beating up on mommy all evening. He turned up the volume of the radio so neighbors could not hear the screams of mom. No one comes to mom's help. The little boy is eight years old. He lays on his bed bleeding after having been beat up by his own father. You see, it's not the first time. This happens almost every night when the father comes home drunk. The mother's nose bridge has been broken and she's bleeding profusely. No one comes to her help. The boy is afraid that he looks like he's demon-possessed and he's going to kill someone today. The little boy opens the bedroom window and jumps out and runs down the street, but the darkness scares him. He knocks at the neighbor's door. The neighbor opens the door, recognizes the boy, and gives him a place to sleep. Now, the story we read uh, this morning was a story that uh, Jesus told. What had happened was that the disciples had come to Jesus and said, you know, we have problems with each other. We are always stepping on each other's toes. Can you tell us how many times shall we continue to forgive each other? You see, according to Jewish law, you were allowed to forgive somebody seven times. Then after that, it's done. So, you know, if somebody did something to you, you'd say, one, six to go. Then they mess you up again. You say, you know, we are now at four. You only have three more chances. If you mess me up again, you are done. In Jesus' style, Jesus says, he's asked a question and he responds with a story. In 1 Corinthians 13, we read Paul writing that love does not keep a record of wrong. And Jesus' response was exactly the same. Jesus says, don't even count. In some versions, he says 70 times 7 or eternal. What he was saying is, stop counting. Don't say, they messed me up. I'm now at 301. I still have to get to 490. Then we cut our relationships. He says, do not even count. But Jesus often teaches in stories. So he then says, well, it's like this. Then he explains that a king is owed money by his servants. This master realizes, he's looking at his books, that one of the guys owes him, in today's money, billions of dollars. So he had the man brought in and he said, you owe me big time. I want my money right now. And according to Jewish law, it was okay for the man for the king to have the men arrested and have him and his family and everything he owns sold into slavery to repay him. But the, the master sees the men kneel down and beg for forgiveness and says, please forgive me, have mercy on me. The master, being a good man, feels sorry for him and he forgives him. 
But then the man is celebrating, running down the street, excited that, oh, I don't have to pay my debt anymore. I'm free. Then he sees one of his workmates, his friends, who owes him $15 in today's currency. He jumps on his throat, starts choking him and says, pay me what you owe me. And then he even has the man put in prison for what he owes him. But then the other people are watching this and say, there's a discrepancy here. You were owed, you owed the master billions of dollars, and we watched you be forgiven. But this guy owes you 15 bucks, and you're about to kill him for that. This is not right. So they go and tell the king, see, that guy you forgave is failing to forgive somebody else. The king was mad, got the men arrested, and thrown in prison. What do we learn this morning? We learn, firstly, that our sins are great. The debt we owe against God is huge. Now, you may not realize this, but I'm a sinner, and so are you. All of us here have committed untold sins against God. In fact, before you were even born, you inherited sin. It goes back to Adam. That it is called the sin. The sin or the original sin started with Adam and everybody who is a human being inherits sin. So the cutest baby you hold on your lap, your cutest grandkids, all of them are sinners. They are sinners because they have inherited in them sin. That's why everybody needs to come to a point of accepting Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior because we are already horrible people. So our sins against God are huge. What we inherit and what we do and say and think. Secondly, we learn that God freely forgives. God forgives no strings attached. He forgives you and you are free indeed. Jesus says, he who the Son of Man sets free is free indeed. He is ready to forgive anyone, any sinner, anywhere, anytime. Thirdly, we learn that the sins that are committed against us by our friends are nothing compared to what we do against God. So, if you are mad at somebody because they made a comment about your dress, guess what? (laughs) That's nothing compared to what you have done against God. If you are mad that they picked a green carpet instead of the red you recommended, get over it because your sins, the sins that we did against you are nothing compared to what you have done against God. Fourthly, we were freely forgiven. We must freely forgive. But you may be here saying, well, you have no idea what they did to me. You have no idea the pain I feel. I may not know your situation exactly, but I can tell you what the Bible says. The Bible requires that you and I forgive those who have sinned against us. Amen? Some say, well, I don't want to forgive because I want them to learn a lesson. I want to ignore them. I want to give them the cold shoulder. Then they can realize 
never to mess with me. You know, the husband and wife sleeping in different rooms because they're saying, I'm not going to talk. They just do the pointing thing. They just point at things. Or uh, you are here and you see somebody that did something against you. You act as if you're going to hug them. Then you just look the other way and say, yeah, I got them. I got them. Or you say, I don't want to forgive because they might hurt me again. They hurt me once, but I'm not going to allow it again. Or some say, Captain, I don't want to forgive because it may seem like I'm, I'm supporting and encouraging irresponsible behavior. Some say, I don't want to forgive because she might hurt me again. For others, they say, you don't mess with me. You mess with me, I get back at you. I will retaliate. I'm going to get even. Some say, I'm the wronged party. They messed me up. I'm waiting for them to come to me and ask for forgiveness. If they don't, I'm not going to do it. But before I tell you what forgiveness really is about, let me tell you what it's not. Forgiveness is not approving or diminishing someone's sin. Secondly, forgiveness is not enabling sin. Forgiveness is not pretending it never happened. If you were abused, you were abused. If you were raped, you were raped. If something horrible happened to you, yes, it did. We are not saying that didn't happen. Forgiveness is not forgetting. I know we say, uh, I'll forgive and forget. Sometimes you just don't forget. You have the scar you carry for life. Yet, you can forgive. Forgiveness is, it does not mean all the pain goes away. You may still feel the pain, yet you can forgive. Forgiveness is not a one-time event. You don't say, I forgave them a long time ago. Sometimes the feelings and the pain comes back up. So you have to, it's a journey. It's a lifetime thing. Forgiveness is not neglecting justice. You can still have the person arrested and thrown in prison, yet you can forgive them. Forgiveness is not 100% trusting the person again. It doesn't mean you become best friends again, but forgiveness means you can at least be on talking, talking terms. Why, Captain, should I forgive? You should forgive because God commands it. He does not suggest it. He commands it. Matthew 6.14, Jesus says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. It seems like it's an equation. You do something, God does it back. Who has ever prayed the Lord's Prayer? Raise your hand. There's a part in there that says, forgive us as we forgive those who trespass against us. We literally say to God, forgive us in the same way we forgive others. So if you don't forgive, why should God forgive you? Forgiveness builds and repairs relationships. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ you were forgiven. Forgiveness will save a strained marriage. Forgiveness will restore a broken relationship. Forgiveness will heal a broken heart. Forgiveness is the key that unlocks unlocks a locked heart. Forgiveness is good for your health, actually. 
You know, when you don't forgive, you suffer from depression and even people commit suicide because of lack of forgiveness. People don't kill themselves because the computer didn't turn on that morning. People kill themselves because there's a messed up relationship somewhere. When we don't forgive, we carry resentment in us that can actually have psychological and biological problems for us. Some of the heart attacks that happen, they happen because of lack of forgiveness. Somebody once said, when we, for, uh, when we genuinely forgive somebody, we set a prisoner free, and we pretty soon realize that prisoner is ourselves. Someone also said, if you don't forgive, you carry a resentment. It's like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Forgiveness is not good for you. Forgiveness, lack of forgiveness is not good for you, but lack of forgiveness also causes somebody to control your life. Imagine if you say, I'm not going to the party because they are going to be there. I'm not going to enjoy worship because she's singing today. Uh, I can't breathe the same air as they are breathing. You get this lump on your throat, you start hyperventilating because you've seen somebody you don't like. So how do we forgive? First, we acknowledge we have a problem. Secondly, we pray for those who have hurt us. And thirdly, we actually take action. We go to them and say, you know, I've been carrying this hatred against you for so many years. I forgive you. Do you know sometimes we, we, we carry something against somebody and the person doesn't even know. They have no idea. Oh, I hurt you 20 years ago. I didn't even know. So some of you may need to walk across the room today and say to somebody, I forgive you. Some of us may need to go home and make a phone call to someone and say, it's been too long we last talked, I forgive you. For some of us need to write a letter. If the person is dead, write them a letter. Sit down in front of an empty chair and unload on them and then forgive them and burn that letter and get rid of it and let go. Amen? So, I arrived at Shirley's. Her skeletal body lies there. And Shirley says to me, I cannot forgive. I pray with her. Shirley calls her family in Alaska. And she forgives them. The very next day, I get a call from Miles and said, Shirley went to be with the Lord. She would not let her family stop her from entering heaven. The lady is asked by the judge, what do you want this court to do? She says three things. She says, one, I want Mr. Van de Broek to take me to the place where they burned my husband alive. I want to gather the soil and the dust and everything and give my husband a decent burial. She says, two, Mr. Van de Broek killed the two men I loved. I still have a lot of love in me. I want him to come to the ghetto once a month, go shopping with me, do stuff with me so that I can pour my love on him because I have so much love. Then she says, thirdly, 
I want somebody to help me walk across this courtroom so that I can hug Mr. Vanderbrook and kiss him and tell him I love him. He's forgiven. If Jesus forgave, who am I not to forgive? There was no dry eye in the courtroom and somebody started singing Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound. The eight-year-old boy wondered if mommy would make it. The eight-year-old boy was scared. That eight-year-old boy is preaching to you today. You see, my earthly father abused my mom and myself and my siblings for years. I carried bitterness in me. I would not forgive that man. In 2009, I went to Zimbabwe and I was preaching on forgiveness. God said to me, you are a liar. My father was seated in the back there and I asked him to come to the front. And I reminded everyone who knew me growing up at that core that this man was evil. But I also told everyone that I'm forgiving him. For the first time in my life, I told him I love him. I hugged him and kissed him. And I would not let him stop me from living a free life. I am free today because I forgave. How about you? Who do you need to forgive? If you have a strained relationship, if you have somebody you need to forgive, I want to ask you to stand. Maybe it's your sister you haven't talked with. Maybe it's your brother you haven't talked with. (laughs) I want you, if you can, come to the front here. Let's have God do some healing today. I want our broken hearts to be healed. If you were abused, if your heart is bleeding, bring it to Jesus. Let him do some work here today. You don't have to carry the burden. You don't have to keep the resentment in you. Just let go. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Let go. So let's sing Amazing Grace. One verse. Then I want to pray with people who are here at the front. But everyone who is here at the front, start talking with Jesus about your issue. Tell him how difficult it has been. But no tear that has flowed down your cheeks that he hasn't seen. He knows. And he wants to heal you today. Amazing grace.